as Easter is coming up, it gives us an opportunity to be reminded on what we should be reminded about daily. That we are sinful people, God is holy, and we are not. So God so loved each and every one of us so much that he gave his son Jesus to die not just die, a sacrificial death for you and for me. This is what Easter is about, recognizing that Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, and holy God he is. But the word sacrifice comes to my mind as we start thinking about Easter. Now here in America, um, let's just be real, Sacrifice is not something that we necessarily do very much. It's just something that we're not accustomed to. I mean, it's sacrificing Wendy's versus McDonald's. It's all the same. Probably comes from, like, stuff you don't want to eat. Um, those type of things of sacrifice. It's like even the sacrifice of coming to a church service. There's not a sacrifice coming other than an hour of maybe less sleep. And, like, the sacrifice... But like overseas and other people, there is a sacrifice for what's happening with their faith. It's cost them. I mean, if you really think about it, it, what does it really cost you to be a Christ follower in the world that we live in today? I mean, if you really think about it, really, what is it costing you? Today, we're going to see what cost that Jesus describes as what it costs to be a true follower, not just a believer of Jesus, but a true follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, Again, I'm, this, this might not be you, this, but it might be others. So let's, let's just use the cop-out of it's other people, not us here, all right? Because it's other people, not us. Today, I walked, um, woke up bright and early, and we have an app on my phone that basically allows the thermostats in the building to turn on and off. Great technology. Um, woke up and... Put it down to, or put it up to 69 degrees. And this morning, I'm like, okay, done, done. Take a shower, brush your teeth, do all the bathroom things, get ready. And then, when I, before I sat down to do my devotions, well, I, I probably should have done it afterwards, but I sat down to do my devotions. I looked, and the thermostat had not changed. It was still 60 degrees in this worship center. <sighs> my mind started to freak out. I really had this freak out moment of, you know what? I wonder what's wrong, of course. I wonder how much it's going to cost to get fixed. And I, and I, seriously, this is one of the things. It's like, will people even show up? And this is the second. Would people even show up when it's 10 degrees less than it was the week before? And you laugh, but there are churches and people, when they walk into a place that's too cold, I'm going home. Or the music's too loud, I'm going home. Or the preacher doesn't wear shoes, so I'm going home. <laughs> but in reality, you and I have, we can come up with whatever excuses that we want to, to be a follower of Jesus. And this is what we're called to be. Now, if you're not a believer in here, we've got some encouragement for you in a few minutes. But my encouragement to us all is, it's going to cost you. And I pray that as we reflect over the cost of being a disciple, we really, not just religiously like, oh, I follow Jesus, check mark, and you live your life. No, it's just like all in. So between services, I normally ask um, some elders or wife or Greg, whatever. So I said, so anything I need to work on for first service to second service? <laughs> and my wife said, yeah, people aren't going to like this sermon very much. And I'm like, well, it's perfect then. Why? Is because we don't like sacrifice. Naturally, humanly speaking, we don't want to sacrifice anything because we like our comfort. We like our time. We like the relationship. We like the bubble that we've built around our American dream. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is all about popping our American dream. He's about making his kingdom a priority, not yours, not America's, not mine, not this church's, but his. So my encouragement as we look at the red letters is, let's follow me. Now, before we get into the text, let's get into the right frame of mind about, let's be on the same page about who a disciple is. 
Because before we can even dissect about what the truth of God's word says about who a Christ follower is, we really need to be on the same page of what is a disciple? What is a true follower of Jesus? Because he's going to mention this three times in the passage that we're about to read. It's like, follow me, follow me, follow me. And these are some things that will result in or should result in following me. But let's get back on the same page. So who is a disciple, a biblical disciple of Jesus, biblically? Well, the first thing we find in John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, you are truly my what? Disciples. You are my disciples if you, result in, remain faithful to my what? Teaching. So we can just summarize this by that just obeys Jesus' teaching. So a disciple is somebody who what? Okay, I mean, that's just not rocket science. I mean, that's like true, right? Obey Jesus' teaching. No matter if you like it or not, obey Jesus' teaching. And then we look at John chapter 15, verse 8, and it says, This is to my Father's glory that you what? Bear much fruit. Bear what fruit? Much fruit. Showing, proving yourself to be my what? Disciple. So a disciple is someone who bears much fruit for the glory of God. So not only are we obedient to his teaching, a disciple um, does, but we bear much what? Fruit. Now you might say, what is this fruit? Real quick. This fruit is like the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Learned that in children's ministry, by the way. So, all right. So, bearing much fruit is vitally important. So, instead of being angry, we're kind. And instead of being selfish, we're patient. You get the idea. So, a disciple of Jesus bears much fruit. And then last one is the Great Commission. It says, therefore, go make what? Disciples. Disciples who obey and bear much what? Fruit. All right. So, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to what? Observe, which is obedience of the commands, the teachings of Jesus, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I'm going to encourage you with just knowing this foundational um, statement of a disciple is someone who obeys Jesus' what? Teachings. All right, let's try that again. A disciple is one who obeys Jesus' what? teachings, bears much what? Fruit, and goes, makes other what? So the question really is, are you, where are you on this journey of following Jesus? And you're like, dude, hey, that seems like a lot. I'm just trying to figure out this faith. I don't even believe in Jesus. Maybe he was just a good man. I don't, I just don't know. Well, there's a place for you in this discipleship mindset. Or maybe you've been a Christian, and I use the word specifically, Christian, not Christ follower. You've been a Christian for a long time, and you become comfortable. You become selfish with inside your relationship with you and Jesus. Maybe you become a religious. You have faith in Jesus. You're going to heaven. That's fantastic. But my challenge to you is become a disciple of Jesus who obeys, bears fruit, and makes other what? Disciples. And when we do, we will be a Christ follower, not just a Christian. All America, we're all Christians for the most part, aren't we? But are we Christ followers is the question. So what does this faith journey potentially look like? Well, we're, I'll kind of describe to you this way. Your faith journey all starts before Jesus, loss. These lost people, maybe that's you today here, you're lost. You are in need of a Savior. You're a sinner in needing of a Savior. You're lost. You're blind to your sins, and you don't see who Jesus is. Until that moment that he draws you to himself, that he points to, you, to, points to himself that he is the Savior. You're dead in your sin. You are hell-bound. You will go to hell if you do not place your faith and trust in Jesus. It is what it is. There's a wages of our sin is death, eternal separation from God forever. But there's good news. But the gift of God is eternal life through who? Through Jesus. So lost people, by the way, lost people, if you're a lost person in this room, let me just let you know a few things. You don't, you're going to live in this world and you're going to continue to live in your sin and there's a consequence for your sin. Listen, you don't need to know all about the Bible yet. You don't need to be baptized yet. You don't need to come to church services all the time. You don't need that as a lost person. You just need Jesus. That's all you need. 
all these other things that we talked about, about being a follower of Jesus and obeying and bearing fruit, that comes from the place of your faith and trust in who Jesus is, the Savior, God, Creator. So I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, you don't need to be perfect because he was perfect. You don't need to know all about the Bible. He already knows that. Place your faith and trust in Jesus today. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be what? You'll be saved. That is my prayer for you today. So after you become from lost, there's the next step. You become what's called a convert. This person that would we classify this way as a convert is just a new believer or maybe a, um, a veteran believer but really has not said yes to Jesus completely with obeying very much fruit and making disciples. All they know is they were once lost and now that they're found. They don't know much about the Bible. They're just still selfish. They're still struggling with sin and so on and so forth. This person might be you and this person would be classified as a Christian. Not a Christ follower, a Christian. A Christian by label and Christian by faith. And this person is going to heaven. By faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is the eternal connection that you need to be able to be saved. But, but why stay there? Well, because people have the but first mentality, which is simply this. I will follow Jesus on Sundays... But first, my rest of the week needs to be taken care of. But I will read the Bible and obey his teachings. But first, um, yeah, let me just read a regular verse of the day, which is good. Let me be religious. Just hear me closely. Most people in churches today are right here. They're right here. The Apostle Paul Uh, continue to say, by now you should be here, but you're still needing milk to drink. So here's a couple things a convert might say. But first, before I obey, bear much fruit, and make other disciples, which is a disciple, before I, let me do what I want to do first. Please know there's a season for that. There's a season living in the way that you used to live, but please hear me. You're missing out. You're missing out to be able to be used by God, to be able to understand God and be obedient to this. To What we say around here, listen to God and what? Do what he says. If the Holy Spirit says, be quiet, be quiet. If the Holy Spirit says you need to be more patient, you get to be more patient. But sometimes as a convert, you're like, I'm going to push this down. Why? Because there's a battle between our flesh and a battle between the spirit that is constantly at war. Our flesh is like, yes, I want to. Yes, I want to. And the Holy Spirit is just like, chill. Be quiet. Obey me in this continual battle. Now, if you become a disciple, this battle still continues, but you have an opportunity to be more focused and on listening to the spirit and more than more of the world. So the next opportunity is are you willing to count the cost to be a disciple and this is what jesus is about to talk about in luke 9 in a second are you willing to count the cost of being a disciple of jesus and again repetition is key learning a disciple is somebody who what obeys bears much and goes makes other what disciples are you counting the cost in this and that's my encouragement it will cost you to be a christ follower it's okay to be a christian but it's going to cost you to be a Christ follower. My prayer is that this little transition of being obedient, bearing fruit, and making other disciples happens today, but you have to understand what we're about to talk about that counts the cost as a disciple. Okay, so after your disciple, it puts a huge smiley face on on the face of God. Why? Because that's the way that he, he intended it to be. He wants you to move past being lost from being a Christian to becoming a Christ what? follower and this makes a smile on the face why because it answers the great commission therefore go make what disciples and disciple again obey bear much fruit and make other disciples but there might be the case again you might say well i'm a disciple i'm in the word i'm listening to the spirit of god i'm discipling other people and everything 
Well, maybe the season of your life is to move from being a disciple to being a disciple leader, which a disciple leader is one who simply is leading others and helping them to obey, bear much fruit, and make other disciples. It's, it's this place where maybe a community group leader, a Bible study leader, um, somebody who has a leadership position or a, um, a mentor position in your life, they're a leader over disciples. But even there, we have to count the cost. It will cost you to be a disciple leader. And it'll talk about this in the passage. And then lastly, there's what Scripture calls a, an equipper, disciple equipper, which would be an elder, pastor, somebody who is leading small group leaders or community group leaders and others that God has called into the ministry to make disciples. And how are they making disciples? Is they're pouring into the leaders who are pouring into the disciples. The disciples are pouring into the converts to reach the lost. Right here, if you're a convert, you have a beautiful prime opportunity to reach the lost. Why? Because you used to go out in the weekends and do drugs and um, women or men or whatever. You used to do that, but because of Jesus, or maybe you were lying and cheating and being dishonest and everything, it's like, but, but Jesus, people look at you and says, why aren't you coming over to my house anymore? Why aren't you posting these things? Why aren't you doing this? The answer is, Jesus? Why? Because you don't understand it. You just now are convicted of it. So that your unbelieving now friends can look at you and say, wow, there's something different. But please don't stay this way. But move on to where God has called you to be to be fully devoted followers of him. And the cycle continues. The cycle continues. So my prayer is simply today, as you learn um, these simple truths of what it will cost you, there's plenty more that will cost. But these are three in this passage that we're going to learn today. So let me pray, and then we're going to dive right into Luke chapter 9. Lord, it's simple to say. It's simple to put something on a graph. It's simple to... Um, challenge. But even today, Lord, there's not going to be much application to this. There's not much um, taking um, this teaching and then applying it. Why, Lord? Because only you can do that. So, Lord, I do pray that even as we continue and even as we've started, that the spirit of condemnation is not here. May it be a spirit of conviction and challenge to what your word says. And Lord, our flesh does not want to hear this. Our flesh is comfortable in the Christianity that we have created. But Lord, you've called us to so much more. So Lord, I do pray that even today, you will convict our hearts of the things that will cost us and step into this and truly being a Christ follower, maybe in a disciple, leader, or equipper. Lord, thank you. For your word. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? All right, Luke chapter 9, we'll start in verse 57. If you did not know, and Tim, if you wouldn't mind, we have these Luke journals. They're free for everybody, one per person. If you have 17 at home, don't take another one. Bring one of those back. All right, these Luke journals are beautiful because on one side, um, it has the scripture. On the other side, it has a blank sheet or blank paper where you can take um, no. So we're going to be on page 78. Raise your hand if you need a Luke journal. They're free, so take one. If you need one, raise your hand. All right, I don't, anybody else? All right, one right there, my friend. All right, Tim, right down here. If you need one, raise your hand, and my friend Tim will pass them out to you. And bring them back, because what we're going to be doing is we're going through the whole book of Luke in probably 29 years, um, and one, one, one of these days will end it, but we're just walking through this and seeing where it goes, so bring back your Luke journal, except for the first two weeks of April, we're going to be focusing on the cross and the resurrection. All right, here we go. Let me read this, um, and then take notes, and then we'll, we'll dive into a little bit deeper. Verse 57 and it says this, as they were going, so his apostles and Jesus was going around the road, down the road, someone said to him, so somebody came up to Jesus and said this. So a stranger, a believer most likely, possibly even a convert, somebody that says, I believe in you, Jesus, and who you are. He comes to him and says, I will follow you. Who's you? 
Jesus. I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you, what's the next word? Go. So where you go, I will follow. I will follow you wherever you might go. And I love what Jesus' response is like, absolutely, that is fantastic. We're staying at the Hilton Inn down the road. It has free breakfast. And by the way, the, the bacon is fantastic. Fantastic. It's like warmed up in a microwave. It's fantastic. Oh, by the way, we got these coupons for free, bre- free, free lunch at Golden Corral. You'll be filled up, no problem. Then we can come back, and the, they, they will turn over our bed, So, and then they'll even wash our feet when we first come in, because you're with me. You're with me. Of course, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says the following. Foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has what? Nowhere to lay his head. We'll get back to that in a second. And while they were going, again, another one, and and to another one said, so now the first one came to Jesus. This other one is one that Jesus came to them and said this, follow what? Follow me, Jesus says. And he said, Lord, so this is the other guy, Lord, let me what? First, I will follow you, but first. You get the idea? I will follow you, yes, thank you for the invitation, but what? First, but what again? But, but first, let me go bury my father. And I love Jesus' response again. It's like, absolutely, the Jewish custom is that you're going to be the caregiver of your family, three days to bury, and just make a big fiesta about it, just have a great time, celebrate the person's life. Oh, my gracious me, I wish I would have had a chance to meet him. What a great thing. Absolutely. Even if it takes, he's on hospice, and it lasts six months, stay as long as you can to take care of your family. Absolutely. Is that what Jesus said? No. It's not what Jesus says. And it says this, Lord, let me first bury my dead. And Jesus said, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go, follow me, go and proclaim the kingdom of who? Of God. And then yet another one said, I will follow you. So now another one's coming to Jesus and said, hey, I will follow you. I will follow you. I will follow you, Lord, but what? Let me first, but first, I will follow you, but first, let me say, say farewell to, to my family. And I love Jesus' response again. He's like, absolutely. Yeah, you do what you need to do. You need to make mama happy because if mama's not happy, what? Nobody's happy, said the ladies. Yeah, nobody's happy. Just make sure the kids go to college. Make sure you have a good nest egg. Make sure, and I just want to make sure everybody is happy in, our, in the home relationship because when you come follow me, it's going to cost you. Go make everybody else happy and then come follow me. Is that what he says? No. He replies, No one who puts his hand to the plow looks back is what? Fit for the kingdom of God. All right, I'm just going to briefly go through these, and hopefully these will encourage you of the cost that it will take. Number one, we find this in verse 57 to 58. Following Jesus as his disciple will cost you worldly comfort and pleasures. It will cost you worldly comfort and pleasures. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of God, Son of Man, has nowhere to lay his head. He's checking his heart. What was the priority of this guy's heart? Probably was the comfort of this world. The comfort of having a pillow underneath his head. Warmth, comfortable chairs, whatever it might be, he was checking his heart. Now, is there anything wrong with having a pillow? Is there anything wrong with having a mattress this thick because you want comfort? I hope not because I got it, all right? But no, there's nothing wrong with that. But if Jesus says, hey, it's time to sell all and to go, would you? 
it's, it's a check of the heart. Now, there's two extremes. There's the prosperity gospel, which is name it, claim it, and just ask God for a Ferrari, and if you have enough faith, he will give it to you. And then on the other side, there's what's called the um, poverty gospel, where people says, in order to follow Jesus, according to these passages, I need to sell everything and go out and live in a tent. Is that, a, is that what God is calling us to do? No, but maybe. If God is calling you to it, do it. Why? Because it's an issue with our heart. What is more important, following Jesus as a Christ follower or the worldly pleasures and comforts of this world? May it be said of you and may it said be of me that if we're truly a Christ follower, that we are willing to put these things aside as a priority above all else. So let me ask you. So I came up with this question. What are some worldly comforts and pleasures that, that might cost you and me to be a fully follower, um, a disciple of Jesus? And honestly, it's, it's simply this. this. It's a personal question because it's a check of our heart. I might be willing to... Um, give up my comfortable bed and go there or whatever. Um, and so do you think God is really going to test my heart when it comes to that? No, he might test it with other things and other ways. You might say right now, I like camping. Like our youth pastor here, Eric, he loves camping. He's like, dude, I, I, that'd be great. Let me just go get a campground and I'll just tell everybody about Jesus. Do you think God will really test his heart about following him when it comes to camping? No, because he likes that already. That's not a sacrifice. But for you and for me, he's going to challenge us in the things of our heart that are worldly, that are things that, that will bring us comfort. This is why it's a cost. But here are just a few things that, just to get your mind thinking, here's a few questions. Where has God told you to go but you have not because it is too uncomfortable. So we have the grand idea of following Jesus, okay? The grand idea about following Jesus, dropping everything and following him. But the greatest commandments are love God and love who? Others. So where did he tell you to go? Has he told you to go to your next door neighbor? That next door neighbor. You know that one? <laughs> And just tell them about Jesus or pick up their trash or be nice to them. And you're like, yeah, um, if I go take out the trash, I might actually meet them. I don't really like them. And if I meet them, it will be un, what? uncomfortable. So we got the minute idea of following him. And then we got the grand idea of following him. What is going to cause you to be uncomfortable? I guarantee you, he will ask you to go. I'll just give you an example. My beautiful wife, Rachel, went to Honduras with, with us this next, last in January, um, as we do every January. And I, every year, I'm like, you got to go. You, you just got to go. You got to go. And she's like, yeah, no. <laughs> Watch this. She said, <laughs> you have to be careful what you pray for, all right? She's like, if the money comes in, enough time for us to um, apply, I will go. Normally, in my world, it, it's like God shows up at the last minute financially and so on and so forth. But in this case, God brought the money in within a week to provide for the entire trip for three of us to go. Miraculously thanks. And she's like, I guess I'm going to have to go. I'm like, yeah, you think? After the trip, and she had a tough trip, it was uncomfortable. She was having some health issues and so on and so forth. She comes back, and she's like, after the dust settles and so on and so forth, she's like, when can we go again? Why? Because she faced her fear of being uncomfortable. Everything that she feared, literally, almost everything that she was afraid about, about going to Honduras, did happen. Did happen. So she felt uncomfortable, but she was obedient to go because God called her to, which resulted in she went, and now she's willing to have more uncomfortable things to happen in her life. And maybe that's you. Who have you been called to go to? Or are you a people pleaser? 
Maybe you've been called to go and be uncomfortable um, when it comes to the worldly people pleasing on this. And where is your money being spent? Worldly pleasures. Are you willing to give to God's purpose financially? Because God's going to test you financially if that is something you're holding on to. Be careful. Where is your money being spent? Is keeping up with the Joneses, the white picket fence, the... Sometimes I just, I hate driving on the wet, far west side. West side's the best side, by the way. The far west side. You, you drive and there's these houses with the picket fences. Houses where, like, literally, it's like an acre away and you see the house. And I'm like, I want that. And, like, because it's a way, I can put, like, security at the gate and nobody can come and bother my wife. Those type of things. And keep the boys away from my daughter type of thing. All right. But keeping up with the Joneses, is like, what do you want that is a priority above what God is calling you to give, to be, and to do? Is the American dream, which, by the way, I'm a, I, I love America. I really, I've grown up around the world. I'm telling you what, America is truly the greatest country in the world when it comes to wealth and dreams. All right, in priority of your life. And the simple question is, the simple answer to this question is, what do you love more than following Jesus? So this is what the disciple who wanted to follow Jesus, who most likely would would be called a Christian, he was saying, I will follow you, Jesus, as a Christ follower. And Jesus responds, here's a check of your heart. Now, here's another heart check. Following Jesus as his disciple will cost you valuable time. Will cost you valuable time. Um, we've heard it said that time is precious, right? Time is precious. I mean, you, we only have a certain amount of time on this earth. Time is precious. What are you doing with your time? Like, for example, my daughter, um, she's about to go to college in, in four months. Lord, help me. Um, You don't want to be around me for those two weeks. I'm going to cry like a little baby. But during the next four months, I told her during the first service, and I'm going to tell her now if she's watching online, is you're going to spend a lot of time with Daddy. Why? Because time is short. It's precious. So for the next four months, I want to spend time with her. Why? Because I know she's leaving soon. But if you think about this as a Christ follower, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. So while we're here on earth, let's make the best of our time serving him. Where do you spend most of your time serving, growing? Do you spend time in God's word or you just don't have time? Do you have time memorizing scripture? Oh, I don't have time prioritizing our time around what God has called us to do is vitally important. So I'm going to give you a quick practical application is is this. When it comes to time, and notice time, not your time, because your time, God can take you away just like this. You don't know when you're going to die, but God does. And he's like, I'm giving you a certain amount of time. What are you going to do with this? So it's just a practical idea with your time. Create flex time in your busy schedule. Yes, go to work. Don't be like the people in Thessalonica that's like, Jesus is coming back, so we're going to quit our work. So we can spend more time telling people about Jesus. No, work. Do it well. But with our limited time during the day, create flex time. Go into work. Go to a grocery store 15 or 20 minutes early than you had planned. If you show up at a grocery store and you show up to work early, what is that going to hurt you? But what God can do in our busy time is give opportunities during that 15 or 20 minutes to bring somebody food, to pull along the side and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Help an old lady across the street or whatever God is calling us to. And then when you leave work, say, hey, wife, mom, dad, whoever it might be, I'm, I, I'll be home. I'm leaving now. I'll be home in 15 or 20 minutes later. Why? so that you have gospel opportunity. If you come back early, if 15 or 20 minutes on time, great. But have flex time in your life, and that will train us to look for God opportunities. But I do think that you and I need to make sure we value our time 
in the middle of this. This is what it says. But, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And he says, let the dead bear their dead. What he means by this, there's two theologians are split. One theologian believes that a, a father had just died, and they had a certain amount of time to bury and to celebrate the person's life. Most theologians, and I would agree because they're smarter than me, would say that the father was dying. There, he's in, if you want to say hospice, he's in hospice care. So he's like, Jesus, I will, I will follow you. Yes, absolutely. But let me go spend a little bit more time with my father. Let me go spend a little bit of time with my father. And Jesus did not say at that moment, he did not say, sure, go ahead. He simply said, let the dead bury the dead. We look and say, well, that's kind of rude, Jesus. It was a test of the heart. Could Jesus have said, after this follower, this desired follower says, Jesus could be like, let the dead bury their dead. And out of three cases, you don't know what the response was on any of them. You just don't know if they did not follow, did not go, let their dead bury the dead. But I believe that Jesus was, again, testing the heart. And in this case, could Jesus have easily said, okay, good. You, I, let the dead bury their dead. And the guy says, okay, I'm with you. I, I'll, let the, I'll let them be. And they start walk with Jesus. And could Jesus, in his compassion, say, hey, bro, go bury your dad. Could he have? Very easily he could have. But it was a test of that person's heart. And in this case, the limited time that he had left with his father. So my encouragement to you and to me is, what limited time do you have in your life? Focus in on who is going to be alive. And we'll talk about this next week more, but who is going to be alive in Christ? Who can you go tell because the dead is going to bear their dead? What he's talking about is the spiritual dead. Those who are dead spiritually don't worry about them right now. They, they, they made their choice. But for those we get to proclaim the gospel to, go to them. Why? Because this life has limited time on it. So now let's go and reach the people that our God is calling to himself. So what sacrifice are you willing to take when the but first time is in the priority of, of your life? Time spent following Jesus by proclaiming the kingdom of God is much better use of your time. Let's say this again. Time spent following, being obedient to Jesus by proclaiming the gospel, by proclaiming the kingdom of God through actions, through speech, is much better use of time than spending time on earthly, timely priorities. And the last one is this. Following Jesus, fully following Jesus as a disciple will cost you relationships. Will cost you relationships. As Catalyst is 12 years old and being the lead pastor of Catalyst Church for a while, I have seen relationships with family members and the desire that the family makes is a priority above serving Jesus has destroyed opportunities for people to be devoted to to God, to be devoted to their calling. Why? Because here in America, we almost idolize the family above all else. Family and country, family and country above all else. Now, is family important? Yes. But who's more important? Jesus. I, I remember... I almost destroyed my marriage um, when it comes to relationship and time. Um, I was a youth pastor in large church, very fast um, growing youth ministry, 300 students and all this stuff. So I had, a, I had to balance my time when it comes to um, discipling these, these teenagers. But to my detriment, I was not necessarily serving Jesus. I was serving my pride. I was not necessarily serving Jesus. I was serving the church. I was not necessarily serving um, Jesus in any way, shape, or form. 
I was serving the pastor of the church. And I literally thought that I was serving Jesus. But I wasn't. I was serving myself. Until one day, I woke up in the morning, and Rachel and I had a, a fight. She was like, I have not seen you here. Your time is everywhere else, and it's not with me. It's not with our kids. It's not with our family. And at that moment, I'm like, just, hey, you're having a bad day. Drink your pint of coffee and just chill. You laugh, but she drinks a lot of coffee. All right, just chill. Had a great day at work, like literally great day at work. I was discipling the kids on how to play pool and the ping pong. I was doing a great job. I was doing great. Come home all chipper and had a great day, walk in, and normally, because my wife is absolutely incredible, um, she would have dinner and the candlelight and, and just everything perfect and ready for me. This, I, I came home. All right, so I come home, and she's sitting at the dining room table with a paper um, on, on the table, and I'm like, oh, she has a new recipe that she wants to try. It was not a recipe. And then all of a sudden, just something clicked in my mind. It's like, oh, snap. Kind of like this moment of moving from convert to disciple. This moment of, oh, I literally thought that they were divorce papers on the table. It had gotten that bad. So I come, sit down, and we had a talk. And the talk was simply Rachel saying, you have, you are destroying this family because you're serving the church and you're serving your pride more than you're serving me, serving my family. I'm here to tell you, my wife, if I was truly serving Jesus, she would say, go, go. Because when we serve Jesus from our heart, the overflow of really serving Jesus, you will serve your family. You will love God and love who? others because the overflow of serving Jesus, not serving out of obligation or whatever, will result in serving a family, but I was not. Long story short, she's like, this is what the paper says. Flipped it over, and I'm like, it's not divorce papers. And she said, here are five things that you need to work on now that are on my mind and on my heart to allow this relationship to work. If you don't do these five things, she didn't say that she's going to get divorced. She said, I'm going to move back to, to Evansville with my parents. We can stay married because of the covenant that we made, but you are not doing your job. And the five things, I'll give you two or three of them. And by the way, this is the greatest marriage tip that you can have. Sit down with your, your spouse and say, what are five things that I need to work on in order to be a better husband or wife? Talk about it. Write them down discuss it. So we discussed it. And one was, take out the trash without me asking. And all the ladies said, amen. Why? It's because I, she was raised in a great family, and in that structure, the guy's job is to take out the trash. And to me, it's like, Take out the trash without, sure, absolutely. But now I have my teenage son, so now I've delegated that responsibility to him, beside the point. But at that moment, what valued her time and our relationship was going and taking out the trash. Not that big of a deal to me, but a big deal to her. Honoring her. And how can I show her the love of Jesus? By taking out the trash. Another one was be home at a decent time, communicate with me so that we can eat at least two times a week around the dining room table. Not that big of a deal. And we had younger kids at this time. And then like, like three or four, whatever, I forgot the other ones because I have new ones now. But the joy of this is this. You will have relationship issues if you don't seek God first. Your relationships will suffer if you don't seek God first. But my caution is this. If you're ready to go all in with Jesus, don't allow your family to suffer at the same time. But, flip, don't prioritize your family over serving Jesus. 
follow Jesus, the overflow of this will be you're going to be able to take care of your family well. So is it a sin to spend time um, enjoying your family on earth? Absolutely not. But the question poses, how much of a priority do you spend on your earthly relationships over your heavenly relationships? How much time do you prioritize your earthly relationships over your heavenly relationships and calling? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be gathered unto you also. So, dealing with relationships, here are three quick things that it will cost you by truly following Jesus. Now, this is just relationships necessarily in general, not just spouse and children and everything. Number one, you will be hated by people you love. You will be hated by people that you love. When you move from a lost to a convert, for sure. Why? Because your family's like, you believe in this Jesus junk? You believe that he rose from the dead? How stupid are you? And if you truly believe this, you're being like, yes, I do. Okay, you cannot come to any um, birthday parties. You can't come to anything. It might cost you relationships with this, but as you grow as a disciple of Jesus and live it out, people that you love at work are going to hate you. People that you love in the community will hate you. Why? Because you are prioritizing not them, but Jesus. You are prioritizing not the American dream, but Jesus and his kingdom. It will cost you people hating you. Jesus says in Matthew 10, have I come to bring peace? No, he has not come to bring peace. He's, called, he's come to bring the sword and to turn moms and dads, mother-in-laws and father-in-laws and people against each other. Why? Because when it comes to prioritizing the kingdom of God and Jesus, nothing else matters. And everybody wants to fight for the worldly pleasures, fight for our time, fight for our relationships. And in reality, there's no fighting. It's prioritizing Jesus first. Number two, you will be distracted by people you love. You will be distracted by people you love. And in this passage, before I move any further, this passage, Jesus responds to this person. It's like, hey, I will follow you, but let me go check with my wife. Jesus' response is no one who puts his hand to the plow, hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Ladies and gentlemen, if we keep looking at the distractions that are around, you, uh, around us and not looking at Christ and the purpose he has for us and following him, it'll be like driving and being on your cell phone. You're going to be driving and you're going to be looking at your cell phone. What's going to automatically happen naturally? You're going to drift to the right or to the left or get into a car accident like my daughter did. Okay, all right, so, <laughs> well, so what should we do? We should remove the distractions in our life. And our distractions are like, oh, but what about this? But first, and any distractions that we have in our life, but we need to seek first the kingdom of God. Keep our eyes focused in on what is ahead of us as a priority. Because if we look back, will drift off course and be distracted. And then last one with this, you will want to please people you love. You will want to please people you love. You'll be hated by those who love you. You'll be distracted by people who love you, but also you will be wanting to please them. So my encouragement to you and to me is, are you going to be a people pleaser or a God pleaser? If we love God and love others with all of our heart, <laughs> you will see the fruit, much fruit of this. You will see the obedience growing. You will see disciples being made when you just simply love God and love who? Others. And when we do this, we will truly be a disciple. Because this is what it says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. For am I seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of who? Of Christ. So here's my encouragement to you, church. Move from being a convert, if you truly have faith in Jesus Christ, and count the cost. In, this, in these verses, time, relationships, and the worldly desires of your heart. 
If you're like, you know what, God, I'm going to give my relationship with my family, my kids. I'm going to give my time to you. I'm going to give it all to you. All the worldly possessions and desires, I'm going to give it to you. He's like, now let's move forward. So now you're obeying me. Great. Now you're bearing much fruit. Great. Now let's go make disciples. And when we do, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. May that be the prayer for you. May that be the prayer for me. That we move from being a Christian to being a what? Christ follower. And notice, I've not given you many practical tips at all. So simply, listen to God and what? Do what he says. God, thank you for the honor and the privilege to talk to all of us about, including myself, about the priorities of our life. The reality is, Lord, the biggest priority um, for some right now is to moving from a lost person to a convert. We cannot save ourselves, Jesus, you are the sacrificial gift, the atonement for our sin. So, Lord, I do pray that if there's anybody here today that needs to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will. Knowing that they don't have to know all about the Bible, they don't have to have everything together, they don't have to fill in the blank, they just have to believe that Jesus, you are Lord, that God, he rose Jesus from the dead, you sacrificially gave up your life. You counted the cross for my sake and for our sake. To all who would believe in you, will have eternal life. May we repent from our sins, turn to you as, as Savior. And if there's anybody here, Lord, that needs to do this, may they do it from their heart, not just out of their mind or a prayer, but may they do it from their heart, talking to you something like, God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Forgive me. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. I believe and have faith that Jesus, you came, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of my sins. May that be the case for them, I pray. Catalyst, if you could look at me, please. I know this is heavy, but may it be said of you and for me that we get to, not out of obligation, but we get to be a Christ follower. May it be said for the limited time that we have left on this earth. May it be Jesus is coming soon. How can I serve him with all? How can I learn more about him in obedience and surrender? How can I be a light into this dark world by being filled with fruit, much fruit from the Holy Spirit? And maybe today you're like, I need to start discipling people. I need to start pouring into people. I need to make disciples. We know that's going to cost. But my prayer for you today is that you take this cost and own it, trusting that he will be the strength that you need.